Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And today I have with us the Cocina del Corazon, Enrique Seriano and Hasman Pena. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. We're great. And uh, you guys are located out of Oakland, California. Is that correct? That is correct. So um, tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, you have your own food business now, but tell us a little bit about your journey and how you guys got to where you are into being food entrepreneurs. Um, well, well, uh, I come from, uh, from a background of, of, you know, mostly self-employed entrepreneurs, um, stepping back from, from my family's, uh, native country of Mexico. Um, they've always had their own businesses. When my mother immigrated here to the United States, um, she did start working at first at McDonald's and, you know, at the Coliseum. She used to do odd, odd jobs um, until she started her own business at the flea market. And after that, she opened her store. And after the store, she opened a food truck. Then uh, my mother and my father together. And... Uh, you know, we were born into into the family of, of business, and when we were little, my family, my brothers and I, uh, would would work. And I've been in the in the food industry. I like to tell people I've been since I was twelve because uh, uh, I've always been in the food truck, and my family put us in there, and we, we worked, and we saw the we we saw the ropes. We we learned how how to you know how to how to turn you know how to turn a profit pretty much how to buy some at a price and, and, you know, triple your money or, you know, even quadruple, just depending on, on, you know, what you sold. And after that, you know, the, the food interest, you know, always stuck with me for that. And, and traveling back and forth to Mexico, you know, the food there as well and seeing the food businesses there and food always struck, struck my interest. So when I was 18, I decided to, to go to culinary school. And, and during that time I was, I was working at different restaurants in San Francisco, uh, the Slanted Door, and a couple of other ones. And once I graduated, I went to Sequoia National Park and started working for Delaware North Companies. And from from there, um, I, I just started, um, you know, thinking about what I wanted to do. And it was a huge, it was a corporate environment. And I got to meet the chef, the certified master chef, Roland Hinnon. And he's the, the chef in charge of the whole company. Um, from there, I, I worked there for about three years. And I, my main goal was to climb the ranks and to and to be somewhat of a of a big, you know, figure as a chef in that company. But what I really quickly realized and was really disheartened about, about the corporate, you know, the huge corporate and the and us being in the national park about the food quality just wasn't up to par with with what i was wanting to do which is more fresh more things made from scratch more more um more sustainable more green more green in practice and so i left i you know i was sat down and talked i sat down and talked to chef roland because uh one day you know i I was called out. And I was called into a meeting with him because he was visiting a bunch of, of his uh, 
a bunch of the uh, restaurants that they own, Delaware Nose Company, and uh, I was brought to his attention. And so he sat me down in a meeting and asked me what I saw myself with the company and what I wanted to do. And so I just I just told him that I I I, I like the company and I wanted to move on up and I wanted to to change a certain a lot of things that I saw was wrong with especially the the national park that I was working with. Um, they would use uh, uh, chicken stock that came in a bucket and it was powder and it was like a fluorescent neon yellow and uh, and certain things like that. And I was you know I brought to his attention that you're a master chef and I don't know why why we why we can't you know order chicken bones and you know and and I kind of told him what what direction I kind of wanted to change the the company you know especially that restaurant. And, you know, and he sat me down, he looked at me directly in the eye and he told me quite like straight out and quite frankly, he told me to quit. He told me to move on and he said that if this is, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good fit. And looking back on it, I, I, you know, I think it was one of the best advice I could have gotten because I feel like I wouldn't have been happy, especially working with, with food that didn't seem to, you know, have a lot of heart. It was more about turning a profit more more than actually serving good quality food is more, it's like a turn and burn type of situation. And so, and so it took me about a month to, to finally quit because at first I was quite flabbergasted about what he told me, but you know, he really meant it in all sincerity and he really, and I think looking back at it, he was really looking out for my best interest. And, and so I quit and I came back to San Francisco and started working in various different restaurants. I worked for different chefs. I bounced around quite a bit. I changed my MO to working uh, no more than a year in different places. And I just bounced around trying to absorb and trying to learn and moving on up. And I went to Big Sur and became the executive chef there. And I went to to San Francisco again. I worked for Nopa and Nopalito and became a sous chef for that company. And I worked with Delfina and Chef Craig for Laconda as well, and his, his um, he's more of an Italian type of uh, business uh, entrepreneur. So he had different Italian restaurants. So I worked with him for a while. Then I moved to to the catering aspect because with uh, Left Coast Catering, which is a really great fine dining upscale company with Chef Lorraine Wicket. And from there, you know, I just I just, I just saw something that was like, you know what, this is where this is what it is this is where I think I would feel most comfortable is in catering because my whole life I've been doing restaurants and, and once I saw how catering was and how different the environment was and how much more space to move around we could do, that's when, that's when I figured, you know, this is what, what it is full scale because in between all that, I was always doing a little bit of side hustles, which involved catering for family and friends and for, for people who would ask for, for caterers and I would always do it on the side. And, and even for a while, me and my brother ran a, uh, a food truck, a uh, little enterprise for about a year. And we, we went from, from place to place doing pop-ups and we got a really good, good, uh, good re- response out of that, but that was still a lot of hard work. You know? And, and um, you know, I, you know, I, I met my girlfriend uh, right after I, I, after I, left working with uh, Chef Craig Delfina, I met my girlfriend, uh, Hasmin Pena, especially, I met her during my last uh, days at, at Delfina, with, which was really funny. Um, 
and and uh, we started going out as I was working with uh, Chef Maureen Wicket, and I was always doing my own hustle, and little slowly but surely, uh, I went from working full time to working part time to leaving my job completely and starting you know my own, my own company, and I had a little first draft of one, and you know I I just knew from there I was just gonna keep evolving and keep changing, and. Uh, when my girlfriend uh, came into the picture, she uh, she ended up uh, leaving her job and and not being employed. And she just she was helping me in the past with with my personal adventures. And she started becoming more and more. And and from there, she was like, you know what? I think I just want to go at this full time with you. And you know, she she explained she was down for the ride, and and we. We worked on, on our logo together, and we worked on the name together, and our business was born, and um, I'll, let her, I'll let her take it away and, and give her her. So, um, I don't have a food background. Um, I am a lover of food, and I always thought of sleeping in a place like the Bay Area so um, we are exposed to so many different cultures and so many different um, and great restaurants and food. So I always, you know, took pride on knowing, you know, the trying every restaurant at least once or, you know, going to um, places that gave me a different experience. Um, for me, food was always food, but how was the experience? You know, how, what did I enjoy about eating at a certain restaurant? So for me, when my partner Enrique decided to start his company full time, um, I was interested, you know, I'm like, well, I like food and I also like to be creative and, um, you know, I wanted to be a part of something bigger that, I knew would be something that we could help build together. Um, so for me, with my background of being a little bit of a foodie and uh, my background in managing other people's companies for a long time, I felt like I was empowered to be able to do more for our company. And like Enrique mentioned, um, it it began with sitting down in our bedroom and with a note you know with a notebook and a, a pencil and just drawing out different ideas we you know we tear out a piece of paper and start again and that's how we started with our name with the logo with the colors um it was all um um collaborative effort between the two of us and that's where I flourish with being able to, um, you know, create the logo and what colors go well together and even the small details like the way we display our food or, you know, the type of wooden baskets and, and accessories that create the whole experience. Um, because I would always think like, yeah, the food is amazing. I, Everyone, you know, everyone would vouch for the amazing food, but what else 
besides the food are people looking for? And for us, creating that experience, that um, complete cohesive look was really important. Um, and that's where I'm very lucky. I don't have a food background, but I um, am able to use all of the different jobs and um, careers that I've held through the years all blended in to give me a lot of tools to be able to comfortably run a business. Um, and I think that was um, that's the best part of being an entrepreneur is to say, okay, yeah, you know, I might have waited 10 years to start my own business, but throughout those 10 years, I did a lot of X and Y and how can those skills how can you use those skills to develop your own passions and your own business? Well, and I, and I love what you both have said, actually. And the part that I love the most is actually it's because it's become part of your name is the basically the, I believe it translated as kitchen of heart or heart kitchen. Is that correct? It, yeah, kitchen of the heart. And both of you have said that you, you wanted something to do that, you know, represented your heart and you served good food and it was from the land and and represented you guys and, and it just the name is so fitting for it. Plus obviously your your Hispanic background um and and things like that, but it's just so amazing what it does for you guys and then the story that I hear with you guys and how it kind of like the name really represents the two of you. I mean, it's your, your relationship, it's your business, it's what the way that you guys feel about food. It's also what food does to people, which is, you know, food is often a place where loving ones come together to eat, even if it's in catering or things like that, it's people that you have in your life and have relationships with. So that's really amazing. So Tell me, I mean, so you guys obviously do this together. I mean, wh- I mean, how long ago did you start this? Um, well, like I said, I, I've always been um, catering on the side for 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 quite a long time. Um, at first, it always was friends and family, but uh, as as a uh, Word of mouth grew. I, I, people have always seemed to to recommend me and to pass the word along. And as people started calling me more, I decided to to kind of make it a side business. And and as a side business, I, I noticed that it was starting to gain traction. And I, I decided to that I wanted to formalize the business because I, I was kind of a uh, it, it was it was doing good. It was doing cash and working good. Sometimes I would get some checks, but I, I want, I was really wanting to, to formalize a business that, that we could grow, that we could actually secure more of a, of a future because I, when, when I was doing it as a side business, I was always still working with other companies and other corporations. And, and during that time, my mentality was trying to absorb as much as I can and try to grow and try to learn and try to see, see where, where, what opportunities would arise. And, and from growing in companies, I I finally realized that the best thing for me to do would, would be to to start my own business because I was working really hard and really struggling really hard for other people. 
Yeah, I think that's um, and, and that, that, that's when so the business pretty much started. I guess when when I was working with with people on the on the offside because people would always the word of mouth follow has followed us throughout these years. So, so we pretty much started Cocina del Corazón. I want to say two years ago, um, officially. Well, I think it's amazing, and um, and so. I mean, tell me about how, I mean, how do you guys, do people come to you? Um, do you go to people? How do you get the name out there and how do you um, find events to cater? So what, what we've, we've done is, uh, we've, uh, well, when I say we, I mean, my girlfriend has a established a really strong social media presence with within Instagram because we figure that most of our target demographic tends to use more of Instagram. But that does not mean we we ignore other aspects. We do have a Facebook as well. Um, we have a, a Yelp listing. Uh, we found that Craigslist uh, tends to work quite well um, because we, with Craigslist you have all factors of society looking at it. So you have income from from the upper echelon to the lower echelon always checking through through Craigslist, and we've had quite a good success with that. And another thing we we've uh, we've done is we've researched quite a lot. Um, my girlfriend spends countless of hours watching YouTube videos, you know, reading, reading articles online. And, uh, I, I also do the same and, and we learned about SEO or search engine optimization. And I pretty much went through a bunch of, uh, listings and try to create listings of different sites like Bing, Google, Yahoo, MapQuest. And just, just to, uh, Oh, and, and Thumbtack as well, just to kind of broaden our, our you know, our SEO, our searches, just to optimize how our credibility online. And I, and I see that as help. And, and for us, reaching our market is, uh, has, been, has, has kind of evolved, we've learned, as, as we've uh, grown. Because obviously when we first started, the most important thing for us was to was to show people what we were doing. So we started off as a pop-up type of situation, which we believe helped to garner kind of a momentum and, and visibility. And with that, we started to kind of advertise more to what we wanted to, our, our target audience to be more of the upper, upper echelon who, who can, who have, who, who crave great quality service, which we're really looking for. Another thing I'd want to add is what I saw um, most frequently was, um, as Enrique mentioned, having an online presence is really important and, and it creates like a validation, you know, when people see that, oh, this person has X amount of followers, it, it gives that company a certain type of validation. But something that took me longer to learn because I didn't come from a food background was the best marketing you can do as a small business is the marketing you do during the event. So you yourself, so we show up to an event to do catering. We're both wearing a uniform, which is a typical shirt from Mexico that was bought in Mexico, um, traditional clothing, you know, what, what we know is traditional and what we know is authentic. And we show up, we have decor, we set up not just the food, but 
um, the whole presentation for everyone to feel like, yes, this is, this is not, uh, I'm not just getting food. I'm getting a complete experience of some, sometimes we are the only decor at a party. We are the only thing that they've really spent the money on everything else. They're like, just going to have a party on, um, on this deck, you know, facing the Oakland Hills and that's it. And you are the show. You are the, the centerpiece. centerpiece. So for us, something I learned, yes, you can have thousands of followers. You can pay for advertisement, but the best way that someone will truly know what your business is about is the way you treat them when you are at the event. You have to be personable. You have to um, charm them, and you have to be genuine. Um, and, and highly professional. When people see that um, energy and they feel it and they see that their chef is smiling and, and happy to be there and um, there's people that are going a step above to make sure that they are having a good time, um, that, that whole package sells itself. And I've, I would say that a lot of our repeat clientele comes from word of mouth. Um, sometimes we'll have a party and five, six months later, we get a call. It's like, hey, remember me? <laughs> we met at a, Jamie's party five months ago. Um, just last month, we had a, a party and we've met a, a guest who was part of another party that we catered seven months ago. And and she recognized us like, hey, I've had this amazing food before at this other party. So for us, that's something, or for me, that's something that I slowly but surely realize that you and the way you talk to your clients and your guests, um, it's what will what can make or break um, the business. Well, and I, I think it's so important as well because you're building actual relationships with the people and that's the thing that's actually spreading the word is that you're showing it to them when you're there and in, in the events and things like that. So I think that's so great that you're doing it. And just because the audience doesn't know, what kind of, and we're talking about the events, but what do you always concentrate on Mexican-style food? Or, I mean, tell us about what your catering menu looks like, or is it customizable, and how you go about that? Yeah, we, um, we create Mexico-California cuisine, and that's what we've coined um, our style of cuisine, which is, incorporates traditional Mexican um, dishes, with the farm-to-table California twist. So we took, you know, we're both California natives. We're both Chicanos, first-generation Mexican-Americans. So we grew up, um, Enrique especially, um, having our grandmas and our mothers cook all of our meals. Um, And we truly wanted to provide the cuisine that, we feel most proud of and most um, comfortable with. And being a a blend of Mexican traditional food 
but with that California fresh and organic um, to us just was a no brainer. So yes, our um, cuisine consists of mostly Mexican Californian, um, but Enrique as a chef, he's always played around, you know, um, talk about that. Uh, well, he's always played around with different elements of um, of food and ingredients. Um, but yes, typically it's Mexican Californian, and um, we do everything from a plated service. So we've had um, events where it was a six course menu, um, and we also do um, for you know first birthdays for someone's loved one or um a retirement party we we do everything and i mean so within the the mexican california style food i mean what what does it consist of i mean is is it tacos is it you know empanadas i mean i don't know so um for clarity, what type of food is that? So give us, actually, let's do this. Let's, what's an example of a recent event you did? Uh, tell us about the event and then tell us about what food you served at the event. Because I think that'll give the audience a full perspective of what you guys do and, and, and sort of a microcosm of, of how you guys go about it. Perfect. Perfect. So um, um, like Kathleen was saying, we, we are a full service catering company. Um, and, uh, we, we are, we are specialized. We have a super niche, uh, program where we specialize in, which is called what we coined, uh, Mexico, California. And what we tend to do is we really personalize every event, every single event is different in, and in a way that we always have a sort of consultation with the host and we kind of pick the brain on what kind of event is happening, what's special about the event, uh, who will be in attendance of the event, and we kind of pick their brains. And for example, the last event that we had was for a fundraiser for a film called A Place to Breathe. Um, And this film is about um, the uh, disparities in health among uh, low-income communities and and how how to go about aiding and helping out the situation through through cultural um, emphasis, you know, cultural awareness and portraying change through their culture, for example. Instead of, you know, telling people how to eat a healthier type of salad or healthy salad, say, okay, let's take your unhealthy food and let's make it healthy. And so what I did was, was with that emphasis, I created a menu to reflect the Fruitvale community which is based here in Oakland, which is, was one of the main focuses of the film, and kind of take the food that's not, that is readily available in, in the fruit bell and kind of gave it my my uh, health, healthy twist and also presented it to, to everybody that was in attendance uh, of this fundraiser to, to, sh- to showcase uh, the, the cuisine of fruit bell of Oakland. And what we did for that event was we made little tortas, uh, that consists of uh, refried black beans, which uh, isn't really refried. Uh, no, no extra oils added. It's never fried. No lard. Uh, completely vegan, with pickled red onions, um, 
kettle fresco, which makes the torta not big anymore. And we also made a morcajete red salsa. And so those were little bikes that were offered. We had a couple of stations that involved uh, an esquite station, which is a, an esquite is a traditional um, Mexican street food, which is a corn off the cob with a little bit of uh, aioli, queso seco, and a dried chili powder. So we had those made a la carte for the guests. And we also had a tostada station, which is a station where we had uh, tostadas that were built to order, which uh, instead of a chicken breast tinga, it's a super traditional uh, Mexican, I would say, shredded chicken breast simmered in a chipotle sauce. And we also had pickled red onions, um, our uh, Mexican crema, queso fresco, and as well as wild arugula. And so, apart from that, we also made tamalitos. Uh, these are small little tamales that we we stuff with a with a with a mix of different kind of mushrooms that we were able to source here: um, portobellas, uh, enoki mushrooms, and a, a wide wide variety with uh, bell peppers and poblano chilies, Anaheim chilies, also with a medley of uh, chilies, and that's. We, we put that into the tamale, and so we prepared every small bites in, in a manner that guests could, could walk around and lounge and talk and, and be able to eat, but still still feel like they're at a, you know, like a, a, a service, you know, fully served place because the, we, we provided a little bit of a show because we, we are really big on experience. Um, we believe that we, we're just not selling food also selling an experience we're selling we're selling a talking piece we're selling something that people will remember and talk and we want to we want to elevate an event and uh and the way we do that is by personalizing every event and trying to get to as connected as possible to the type of event and um in this case the they were really happy um this is for for a bank uh the bank organized this and they're really excited about the menu and how closely it related to to the the film and the and the end clause of the film, which was to help people eat healthier or you know health. And all the all the all the steps in that we took in preparing the food was with health emphasis. For example, the tostadas were fried; they were baked, and we used all lean chicken breast, and there was no other meats besides mostly was vegetarian. And so that that was for that specific event, and I would say that it was quite a success. Uh, <clears throat> that experience must have been amazing. I'm just like to to be able to take a menu and then apply it to the thing in in Fruitvale, Oakland. <clears throat> excuse me, is just such a place with such diverse diverse food and diverse group of people and and things like that as Oakland is becoming more and more and it's just so cool that you were able to be a part of that event through living your entrepreneurial dreams oh yeah oh yeah and that and that's that's I think is is one of the best things about being entrepreneurs and our own business owners is that we have the power and you know and the ability to choose what events we work with or who we work with and, and what we do. And, and, and that choice we feel has a strong impact, 
that's why we we choose to work in a green manner. We we try to we try to work in a way that impacts Earth as minimally as possible. That's why we tend to source organically. We tend to source locally because the the tr- the amount of uh, of distance that food tends to travel, nobody really equates that with the uh, carbon footprint at least behind with all the oil it takes to transport and all the all the stuff that goes into to the huge agricultural business with all the pesticides and and for us it's important as business owners to acknowledge that the choices we make have a bigger impact than if we were a smaller household. Which is why, you know, for example, if a small house family, you know, a small family um, decides to use you know, a plastic plates for their one event of 20 states, that may be only 40 plastic plates that go in the garbage. For example, if we decide to use plastic plates for one of our events, that could be hundreds and hundreds of plastic plates going in the garbage. Which is why we decided that it's important to to use compost to 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 work in a way that we do because it, it's the way that you know that we can lead by example that we can kind of be for forerunners in in this uh in this in this industry that's always changing and and we know that in order to survive in the industry you always have to be in the cutting edge and you always have to be a step step up ahead of the crowd and and for us it's not it's not just trying to be a step ahead of the crowd for us, it's just the right thing to do, and and, and for us, it's, it's important to do what we believe is right, which is which is why one of the biggest reasons that we're happy as entrepreneurs is that we can make those decisions, that we can we can do things that we feel more comfortable doing and operating the the way we feel is is the best way to to operate. I love the uh, the eco side of it because what you're saying is so true as things keep going people want more and more friendly and if you're doing healthier food naturally with healthier food goes what's healthier for the land also and that includes the waste the 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 plates the forks the knives the things like that so i love that you guys are doing that in california is obviously one of the places on this planet that's really pushing that kind of environment and so when you source products for your catering events, like how do you source the products? I mean, I guess you probably come up with a menu first, and we just discussed one of the menus you came up for the event in Fruitvale. But, I mean, do you come with the menu and then you go source the product? And then where do you get your supplies from? So so when we create a menu, we always we always think about the seasons. And so, if we always look at the month that they're that they're trying to whatever month it is or whatever time of the year, we always try we always find a menu around the season, and we tend to source most of our food from either the farmers market or our local food health store, depending on the size of the party. And and for us, I think that's 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 one of the the biggest things that I learned working with the restaurant in San Francisco where especially Nopa with Chef Lawrence Jossel that he would go to to the farmers markets and and pick up things in bulk. He would go to the to the farmers market, taste almost everything whenever he saw something new that was fresh and that he thought was the best he would get a case of it even though it wasn't on his shopping list. And um and I, I was truly inspired by that. And I and for for us, we obviously aren't doing it as, as at such a big scale that 
that he was or and still is doing. Um, but we still take that model going directly to the to the farmers market and talking with with the purveyors and 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 for me that's one of the best things we get to learn so much more about the food that we don't actually think about you know the, about the weather and and how the how the season affects the the produce and you know how how moisture in the air and, and all these things and 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 for us that, that's 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 a great learning process and and it's a way for us to extend that information with our with our guests and and sourcing products from from people like this you feel so much better because in the long run you're keeping the money and the cash flow within the community and you're also helping out uh, to grow a, a segment in agriculture that really needs to grow that really needs to to flourish that really needs more more focus and and for us sometimes we we also source in, in, in bigger restaurant supply stores that that have some of the equipment that we we need and et cetera. So for for sourcing each each event, we we always source differently because each event is different. Each event is uh has different ingredients. We we really sometimes we we really uh we really have to search seek and destroy type of uh, mission. You know we really have to find the the correct uh you know ingredient. For example. There's a mole that I made called mole amarillo, and I was really adamant that I had to find this this herb, and it's called hoja santa, um, and I and it was really hard to find. And a friend and I finally contacted my father. I was like, he helped me find this herb, and he was like, you know, I I let me ask, and he asked my mother, and at that one point, somebody was within, within earshot, and they heard it. He was like, oh, you can get it here. But I have some in my backyard growing as well. So my father went and bought me some of the Oja Santa, but we also build a, a connection with somebody who grows some in their backyard. And this herb is, is extremely hard to find. It's, it's, uh, it's native to the southern region of Mexico. And you don't really see it everywhere. So it's pretty exciting sometimes when we find a good source pretty hard but i think it's well worth it and i feel like once we're bigger and we grow bigger as a company we'll be able to 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 make uh deliveries and have bigger orders and kind of hold some stuff where but as of now everything that we source is always used the next day and it's super fresh and i we kind of like this model and we're trying to see hopefully it'll grow bigger and so, when you guys do event, is it it's not is it only the two of you that work it? Because I gotta imagine that you probably have to bring in employees or, or people to help out. And how do you go about doing that? So uh, we we are a two two uh, person company. Uh, we handle pretty much everything right now because we're we're pretty much still in that phase where we can. Uh, that is, we we formalize our own LLC. We we went through all the processes of licensing and permitting all on our own. We've, uh, we've actually went through a few business classes together and, 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 um, something I want to add, um, although we're a two person team, uh, we take our strengths and we, we, we base our workload from that. So I'm much of the admin, 
the invoicing, the marketing, the uh, customer service support. Um, I'm that end of it. So for me, it's um, that that's my full time job. You know, the Yelp uh, messages that I have to get to the creating templates for um, emails for potential clients and proposals. Um, that's all my end of it. And um, Enrique has his end of the business that he mostly handles and that's the the food part. But um, well, for the most part, when, when we come to those logistics, um, it really takes us a long time of planning um, from the moment that we get the, the event book, we start um, breaking down what needs to be done. And I, I'm, I've been in the industry for quite enough time to know how much things will take me and how long things, you know, how long a process is. And, and it is quite daunting the first time to, to handle big parties on your own. Uh, um, but it's good to to know that my girlfriend always helps me, um, especially she's my, my mini sous chef. Um, but when the party is bigger, big, during day off, we, we tend to, to count on our friends and families. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have them on board, especially, especially um, family members who, who are trying to be more involved with businesses because we want to kind of show them that it can be done. And for the most part, um, we've been employing our, our brothers and and our friends and and we believe that that's as we grow we we find that to be one one thing that we really like is being able to to support people who 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 need the support who who appreciate the help the the work and for us to be able to say okay we want to help out this group of people who really need it we, we're creating a job and it feels good that right now the small jobs that we do create it, it feels great and at so far we we do mostly things on our own um it takes a lot of planning um so logistical logistical nightmare you can say sometimes and when when it comes 48 hours before the event and pretty much working from early in the morning to late at night um, trying to making it happen um, because of how we do it. <laughs> and something I want to add, um, the most rewarding feeling I've ever had as a business owner was when we did hire um, a group of staff and we were done with the event and it was the next day and it was payroll and um, that moment as a business owner the both of us were sitting there and we're thinking about everything that um, our employees for that day did and all of the all of the help that they really provided us with and when it came time to provide them with their paycheck uh, we didn't ever think all right what's the minimum wage guideline you know what's what what can we get away with? Not once that that crossed our mind. Uh, we really thought, what would I want to receive after that type of workday? What what is um, something that's gonna make me happy to receive this pay and to feel appreciative and appreciated? 
and make me want to do it again and even work harder. So for us, that's that that was the best part of the times we did have employees um, was to really let people know how much we appreciated. And we found that with that motto and with with those ethics, people do tend to work harder for you. And with more, um, they have a drive, you know, they have this drive for you because they know that they are in a team that cares about them. So we look forward to expanding more so that we can have many, many employees that, that feel that way. Uh, and I, so there's two parts that I want to really discuss. I love how happy you guys are to create jobs and create opportunities for people. And I love that within those opportunities that, you know, you're finding people that really are appreciative of work and just work ethic because it's such a good thing to have people that actually want to work and work hard and are appreciative for any extra work they can get and the dollars they can make. But the other part is, is that it's fair. And I love that because you want to pay the employees what they'd be happy with. At the end of the day, if they're happy, they're coming back again to work for you guys, right? And the other part is, is happy employees actually spread the word about your business. You know, and unintentionally, oh my God, I had this great business and I worked at this catering. So next thing you know, it was like, oh, I was talking to someone that worked for you once at this event and they were so happy. So I decided to give you a call. And next thing you know, you guys have business. And that's so amazing. Mm -hmm. And, and so, like, really, it goes back to your name yet again. Like, you guys are so heartful. Like, what you're doing comes such from your heart and such from a good place. And I'm actually so happy you guys are on this podcast because I really love what you guys are doing and, and the message that you guys are putting out there and, and the heart you not only put into your food but to your business. Thank you. Thank you. We feel like that. That is definitely the uh, the direction that 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 not just small companies but bigger companies are 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 moving towards. To we know that that CEO back in 1998 is, is different from 2018. You know, so the whole mentality is different. You know, whereas back in 1998, CEO mentality would have been you know more of a pyramid type of mentality where they had Hunter knows best. Now CEOs are saying, all right, what can we learn from our employees? You know, that what. Let's be more. Let's be more open. Let's let's be more. You know, let's be more level. With, you know, there's not. There doesn't have to be such a hierarchy. Such a, you know, very huge, huge focus on hierarchy all the time. We we have to be some somehow provide opportunities and 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 movement and space for, for for the employees to put in their two cents or you know to think about the quality of life of employees as well. Not just always the 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 end result of the dollar because uh because like my girlfriend was saying uh if your employees are are much more happier production is a lot better at the end of the day you you will make money and um it's it's just it's so great um that you guys see it and that you also the empowering of your employees like giving them say in your business and making them feel that they're a part of it i love that and actually i just want to pause real quick but and I want to continue down the show, but will you guys tell uh, the audience where they can find you on all the social media outlets you guys are on, as well as your website and phone number? So if someone's out in California, in the Oakland, San Francisco Bay area that 
and they're interested in your products or your services um, and having an event cater that they can reach out to you guys? Yeah, of course. We are Cocina del Corazón, and we can be found on social media at Cocina del Corazón Oakland. Um, and we do have a website, and we can be reached at 510-863-4722. And, um, yeah, we, we are very... Um, we're always looking to interact with clients and with our guests and we always encourage them to um, tag their, you know, tag their food, tag us on the, um, the experience that they had. And that's something else that, um, that we, we love. We love hearing back from our um, clients. A lot of times uh, we don't expect any reviews, but, um, when we do get them, it's it's always such a positive for us to just see that someone took that extra time to um, to reach out to us. And um, there's also, um, we are on Yelp as well. So, yeah. Uh, I, okay, so now back to the the sort of the, the business concept. And I mean, you're creating a culture within your business. I mean, all the way from the shirts and like you said, you're marketing at every event to making sure the employees are happy. So they are happy during your event to the food and the quality of the food and the freshness of the food that you're serving, as well as the experience and making sure that it's environmentally safe, your, your waste all the way to, you know, serving great food and, and having this sort of, you know, mentality of doing everything from the heart, which backs up your name. I mean, that's so incredible. And I mean, so you started to talk about it a little bit, but I mean, what is the future of your business? I mean, I mean, and are, are you seeing you guys, I mean, summer's coming up. Do you get busier during the summer and sort of tell us all about that? Uh, well, for for us, um, as as we grow our business, um, where, where we see ourselves really is is uh, growing into a more more of into a bigger company. Uh, that for me, that that'll include having more obviously more jobs right at during, during the week. Right now, we have about two or three jobs a week, which is which is really good. Best, definitely a lot bigger than where we started from once a week. And now we're, we're we're filling in more more dates in between the weekdays as well, and in the future where I see see us working in is a lot more into the corporate aspect with uh, corporate offices and setting up contracts with lunches. Um, we see ourselves uh, having our own our own kitchen, our own uh, headquarter kitchen, where we can where we can have a fleet of maybe three or four company vehicles. We can have our own full-time staff. We have our own full-time sales team. We have we have our own admin team. We have we have our own payroll. We have somebody handling our our taxing our CPA. Um, we we see ourselves uh, being able to to deal with with bigger companies with their with their needs with their high-end needs, um, especially companies like Google with, with more private, you know private uh kind of uh events um we we definitely 
for for us, our our goal is to is to be a power player. Pretty much, we wanna we wanna be able to 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 be big enough to show other companies and other places that you know are, are another way of working such sustainable sustainably and green and more of a more holistic manner and 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 practices with with everyone and that's that's where where we want to be hopefully the next three years two years and so we've talked about that but what are what are some of the hardships that you guys are facing in your business now and as being entrepreneurs and and what do you see as some of the hardships that you guys will have to go through to achieve those dreams uh i think one of the biggest uh one of the biggest hardships that we we've, we've encouraged so far has been the our target demographic um how how to go about reaching them and how to go acquiring those set of eyes and how to go acquiring that 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 business and 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 for us what we learned is is to to kind of take it in the stepping stone kind of method where where we started we started with with pop-ups and with these pop-ups we were working uh certain venues like bars and other stuff and and with that first stepping stone we we got we garnered a lot of eyes and a lot of word of mouth, but what we realized what we realized uh, right away is that we weren't getting the type of clientele that we we really were expecting because our pricing was was definitely a lot higher than what is offered, and and we did that on purpose because that's that's kind of that is our target demographic. We we do offer um, and a better service and a more of an upscale service and. And so for us, that first audience that we were captivating, we realized right away that that it was harder to get jobs because we weren't getting as many jobs because we were getting more people getting turned away from the pricing. We we noticed that we just weren't getting the attention of who we wanted to get the attention from. And so what we kind of started to do actually is, is turning away jobs purposely because at first we were taking them because on a kind of we need to kind of basis. And after a while, after we felt like, you know what, we have to turn away these jobs and kind of just wait till we get these, these, the clientele that we really need. And sure. We started to give them little by little. That's when the next stepping stone started was that we started to get more little word of mouth from these little parties that we've done. And from there, we started to really throw more focus on our Instagram uh, with taking pictures of those events. Because prior to that, most of the content was was from pop-ups and, and to a different style of service. And so what we wanted to do was actually cap to capture what, we, what our true potential was. And so with these more elaborate events, we were able to, to showcase what, our abilities and to capture those abilities and show that through, through our website and to have people take pictures and, and share that with their friends. And, and we noticed that the word of mouth in those circles started to spread. And so now that we're, what we're noticing now coming into the summer is that our target demographic is starting to respond to us. So we, we definitely learn how to, how important it is to really speak to your audience and, and how to speak to your audience and, and, 
and we're still learning. We're still we're still doing research, and and our next phase, the next stepping stone, is to actually to actually go to where we believe our target audience is, and and kind of market ourselves that way um, to go into these to either events or neighborhoods where we expect our clientele to be, and and putting our voice and our name out there. And so I think that that's just been one of our our biggest our biggest uh, our biggest learning lessons that you want to add to my mouth. And I feel like a, another thing that that we've been learning a lot is is uh, the whole legalities of it. Um, um, like I said, we we, for, we formalized our LLC on our own, and it's it's taking a, a lot of research. It takes a lot of money. Um, but you know that money is not an expensive for an investment, and and we we really learned that how much it really takes and, and how much it you need to stay afloat because you know there's there's a minimum annual tax uh, fee for an LLC and you have to do your quarterly filing with the with the sales tax. So all of this has been a, a learning process, and and one thing we're we're still learning is how to take money out of our company. How do we go about? paying ourselves how do we how do we leave uh proper paper trails that correlate with our bank statements to show our pnls and and so forth and and that has been a huge learning curve for us as well um you know as as parties come up you learn new things um for example when one party asks us for insurance we're like, okay, that's not, not a requirement to start a business, but we learn right away, why not? Let's get insurance. We insured our business, and that opens the door to a lot more business that we wouldn't have other have, otherwise had. And we, we learn along the way, and with each and every event that we have, we want to make, we want to make it better. And so each, each, each one is a learning curve. And one thing that we know for sure is that we'll never stop learning and we have to be humble in a way to, to accept that we're not, you know, all knowing and, and that we're not, we're not, as, I, I don't want to say as strong, but we're not as, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say it properly, but to, to remain humble, to, to remain open, to listen and to take in criticism. So. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that are so important as an entrepreneur is just have an open mind and it's never personal. It's just an opportunity for improvement. You know, it's another growing mm-hmm. experience and every every exactly. piece of feedback is an, an opportunity to grow and learn and, and things like that. So it's pretty amazing oh, yeah. what you guys oh, are yeah. doing. And I'm actually, it's so cool because we sort of connected through social media, but the opportunity, like I can't tell you how thankful I am that you guys have come on the podcast and shared your story and just, it's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, that, that's, that's another thing we, we definitely learned was to, 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 to use these platforms to, to talk with people, to show, to show what we're about. Because one thing that we really learned that's, extremely important nowadays especially with the new buying power going to millennials is that millennials tend to shop with their hearts that millennials really really care about a story they with so many with so many products and so many services being thrown at them they really 
want to make more of a conscious choice than what our parents did and what their parents did. The, there's a there's a mental shift in in shopping power and and the people who who have the most amount of money right now are millennials and they're really shopping with their hearts like I said and for us is that one thing that that we've learned is that people will pay attention more the more they, they know your story and and that's that's another lesson that we learned as far as marketing goes as far as that, you know, it's really important to tell your story. And, and I think that's one, one area that we were lacking in and we're really improving on. Um, and I also want to thank you for having a platform for us entrepreneurs to be able to tell our stories. Um, we feel so strongly about encouraging other small businesses. We, um, we're fortunate enough to not be the only business owners in our group of friends. We tend to um, have um, social, social gatherings and our social group um, is majority small business owners. So for us, it, it's, it would be a disservice to be a business, whether it's big or small, and not to share the little bit or a lot of bit of knowledge that we might have um, to share with others that might not have um, the the opportunity to talk with people that are entrepreneurs and are running their own businesses. So for us, we we always believe there's strength in in community, and coming together as young entrepreneurs and 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 talking with others and and sharing ideas and information. Um, that's how we believe we can be more successful by sharing our successes and our um, story and information with others and then getting that feedback back from them too. Um, and the fact that you've created a space for others to learn and it's it's something that um, it's truly special. So thank you. Yeah, and I want to add to that. Is, uh, is that that's one thing that we see is very important because as as we've said before, we're 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 from Oakland. We're both from East Oakland. We're from um, from an area of, of Oakland that's that's been disenfranchised, and it's very it's it's a low in, we're we're from low income backgrounds, low income neighborhoods, and and we've seen the struggle. We know the struggle, and for us, it's very important to to showcase to show people what two young Latinos can do can get out of. And to be an inspiration for others, especially my little brothers and and my friends and any and anybody in our community and outside of the community, because we feel like the impact is as being leaders is to show people what you can do and that is possible and 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 for us that that's what is really important for us to do what we do because we we want to be an inspiration we want to show our community that you can come out of nothing and 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 build it and build a company and and we we really wish and we really hope and we're really working for it and we know we're going to do it is to create a big company that Oakland can be proud of and 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 that's what is really important for us because we also tend to work with with uh we tend to work with the cannabis industry as well and that's another aspect that we like to to work with is we we really believe in in destigmatizing 
the whole cannabis industry, especially in our Latin American community, where it's, it's, it's seen as a huge uh, taboo, you know, if, if anything involving cannabis, you know, for us, we're, we're strong believers in how cannabis is, has healing powers. It's, this, is, this is the same as food does, you know, food is healing, food is medicine. There's a Chinese proverb that says, he who, who takes medicine and not heed the advice of his nutritionist you know, fails miserably because food yeah. is important. And so, and so that, that, that's why we do what we do for us because we want to show people that you know, there's professionalism in this world. No, and I love what you're doing, and uh, the giving back is so huge. And even, you know, and uh, part of what's going on there is a destigmatizing of cannabis going on and the health benefits of CBD and things like that. So I think it's just, it, it's part of what it is, and it's education is the biggest part. But also, the thing that you're doing and the examples that you're sending and we do as entrepreneurs is it's a lesson you don't learn in schools. And it's a mm-hmm. lesson that you know, people, um, can learn on the streets through doing illegal things. You know, you're, you kind of do things that are illegal, but there's no better way to make money than to be an entrepreneur. It's your own life. You get to choose the life that you want to make. And if you work really hard, you can make money doing it and you can live the life that you want to. And it may not be as easy as everything else, but the hard work pays off in the long run. And it's just so amazing and and good role models and a successful life and doing things like the world's endless i don't have to follow the rules but i get to not follow the rules in an environment as a food entrepreneur and a beverage entrepreneur as justin bizarro to to do what i want when i want and the rules that i live by aren't really anyone's rules i have to obviously live by the laws of the land but i get to live Mm -hmm. by my own rules and create my own businesses and i die by my failures and survive by my successes. And I need my failures to, to help me learn for my successes. And that is ultimate freedom, I think. And no one will be Mm -hmm. happier in their life when they do that. And you're also passing that on and setting it as an example in your communities. And, and that's what this is podcast is also about is how do we help the next generations and how do we set an example of entrepreneurs? And so people inspire to be entrepreneurs, not just, you know, a Facebook or a Mark Zuckerberg, but, or a Google, but like a normal everyday entrepreneur that goes out there every day and, and has some success and takes care of his family and creates, you know, jobs and, and makes a difference in his community. Because I really do believe that we as entrepreneurs are the most giving. I, I think we tend to give more. We take care of our employees more. We, we give to our communities more. We mentor the younger people in our lives better. And we're, we're, we tend to actually also deal with things head on more because being an entrepreneur, you have so many issues that come at you on a daily basis or a crisis mode being an entrepreneur or in your case, an event, That's and right. you've got to deal with things so rapidly that we don't let mm-hmm. things sit. And I have trouble with this because there's people that I deal with that aren't as entrepreneurial as I am. And I'm like, I have the mentality on my plate, off my plate. So immediately when it comes Mm -hmm. onto my plate, I got to figure out how to handle it and move forward. And I may make a mistake, but if I do, at least I've made the mistake already and I can pivot from there. And because that's just, it's just the way we are. And that's important as lessons in our lives is that we 
we allow ourselves to make a lot of mistakes, but we also are willing to learn from them, not die from them. I said I die from my failures, but what I what it really is is that I'm willing to take the risk, and it's only me who gets to be accountable for the things that happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's so much responsibility learning, and it's important that we learn responsibility and we pass it on to the youth because. I often hear oh, too yeah. much, it's not my fault, I'm not to blame. Well, you know, my attitude is sort of this. If you were a part of it, you have a part in the blame. And that goes for me, too. Mm-hmm. If I, It could be, in some people's eyes, 100% the customer's fault that something went wrong. But there is some part that I can look at that I could have done better, or I communicated better, or I could have done right. something better. So I do have a part in it. And no matter what it is, I always have a blame. And, and that's not only for business, that's in for my entire life. Right, I'm responsible for something, and I got to take responsibility for my actions and how I affect people. So, I love what you guys are doing and and how you're really taking care of everything in that environment. So, um, as we sort of wrap this up, the first thing is is I'd love to have you guys back on the podcast in about eight to ten months and continue to tell your story and and your story of growth and some of the other events you did. If you guys would be willing to do that. Oh, of course. Of course. We'd love to. We'd love to come back and talk to you again. And and as we wrap up um, the episode, is there anything else you guys would like to share and, and tell the audience or anyone who might be listening? Or I've never said oh, this before, sure. but it just crossed my mind. If, sure. if anything ever happened to you, is there something you'd want to leave behind on, on the podcast for someone to hear one day? For sure. I, I, I would like to say that what you said about entrepreneurs being the most giving people i i you hit that right now because that that is that is what we have the power to do we have the power to create change we have the power to make these decisions that affect a lot of people and for us um we we believe it's important that that there is equity and and sustainable healthy foods which is why one of our mission statements is to always work with small organizations and schools or any kind of social social groups that approach us and 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 you know want us to to work with them we never turn them down no matter how small their budget is no matter what it is we we we've done uh parties for 300 people where we charge three dollars a person and uh it was a block party here in oakland and and that that's what we believe is is it's important to showcase to to people in these low-income environments what is out there because we believe that exposure is definitely what is needed for for these kids and people who are in these neighborhoods who don't get a chance to see really anything outside of the little world yeah and for for me um to add to that um as an entrepreneur just know that you can do both you can charge uh, you know for for x amount of people uh for a We've we've done a parties in multi million dollar homes before, and they're paying a premium price for um, our okay. services. And we don't, you know, it, it, we're we're happy to charge them because obviously they're the clientele that can that can afford that, and that's what they are paying for for and that's what they are receiving for the experience, and that's what they receive. But as an entrepreneur, know that you can always do both. You can charge um, 
the best prices for the amazing experience you are providing. And at the same time, you can also do the $3 per guest um, budget for the community church. You know, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur, um, being able to do both and doing both equally as proud and, and giving them the best service you can. And um, if I learn anything uh, this whole time, something that will always stick in my head the most um, was a entrepreneur restaurateur here in the Bay Area, very famous um, chef here. And he gave a presentation for a small business course that we took. And he said, as, a, as someone in the food business, your job is to delight them. Always delight your guests. Just always genuinely delight them. And that was something that has always stuck with me. And um, if, I guess the most simple advice I could give to someone like myself that started out pretty green in the, in the food industry is simply just delight your guests and do it from the heart and do it with the best intentions and and always like i said from the heart and and you'll see that you'll be able to thrive in whatever environment and whatever um job and and business that you create this is mentality being an entrepreneur is definitely is a mentality and uh and for us we, we believe you know you you have to take care of your body and take care of your mind and and after that everything follows yeah i think that's so important all i mean exactly what you said and then having the flexibility to do the right thing as an entrepreneur and uh, i do actually believe that eating the right food and i eat very cleanly and i make sure i put in my body and i eat very whole foods and i don't eat sugar uh barely and not a lot of junk food and all of that and so it's just important to keep your mind and body healthy and then obviously do that in your actions, right? And and give back to people and the people that work hard for you and and all the way around. And and actually I always see lead with love and and lead with your heart and it's exactly what the name of your business is. So it's just so cool. You know, it's it's really just amazing what you guys are doing and Thank you guys again. And anyone in the audience who, who's in Oakland, I suggest you guys look look these guys up. Cocina del Corazon. Um, and that's the the kitchen of the heart, I believe, translated. And it's just Correct. so amazing that uh, that it's just so who you guys are. I mean, it couldn't be more representative of you guys, like I've said before. So anyone in the audience who likes what we're doing, please share the episode. Please look these guys up. Thank you guys for, for what you're doing out there in, in the audience and passing it on and sharing the episodes and listening in uh, all over the world. Thank you guys very much. Um, if you guys want to be on the show, you can reach me at justin at com and on social media at Instagram and Facebook at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. And um, guys, I look forward to having you back on the show. Oh, we look forward to being back on. Thank you so much, Justin. Uh, thank you, guys, and thank you for coming on and being so pro- proactive and in, in filling out the, the calendar and getting on the show and being on, and it's been great, and I can't wait to launch it, and I can't wait to have you guys back on. We're looking forward to it. Maybe next time we'll 
take a trip over there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, or I'll come out to you guys. Um, all right. There you go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys and everyone in the audience. Have a great day and thank you for listening in.